This is a fourth hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't uh, know. planes that they're building. And police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. It's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. And welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. And I'm John. He's back, baby. <laughs> back, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm Josh. There you go. Just to follow up. Yeah, John. Damn, we missed you last episode, bud. Yeah. Yeah. Life. I had to I had to take some personal time. Get it. So. We all need it. We all need it. Luckily, luckily for you, we're unionized. You know, you get uh, paid time off or some shit. I don't know yeah. what that means. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know who's paying you. We're fucking not, but whatever. You know, that's fine. Yeah. Anyway. You're paying, paying me with your love. Yeah. But yeah. We, uh, the dog, the family dog passed away this past week. So it's, it was a rough, rough week, but we're, yeah. we're back. We're hanging in there. You know, life yeah. is what it is. It is. It happens. I mean, I hate so to sound I'm cliche just, with a circle yeah. of life, but, um, you know, but you know. I'm just ready to talk about UFOs. Absolutely. Well, actually, kicking us off. Fantastic. So welcome <laughs> to uh, the first episode, first news episode of season five. And with everything going on, again, glad to have us all back together. Um, you know, I'm going through a heat wave. You guys are going through your thing. We're all miserable, but... The one good thing <laughs> is they actually came out with the UAP report. And so we made it a decision to just go ahead and, hey, this is what we're going to do this whole news report on. We're going to kind of dissect it, pick it apart, tell about stories, and uh, and see where it takes us. Because we've been waiting for this for a bit. Yeah. Uh, I think six months, little, give or take, about six months since they said they were going to release a report on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they did. And so like we were saying before we were recording, like a lot of people are like, Oh, there's nothing, there's nothing in this report. You know, it's just a big nothing burger. But like you were saying, Josh, I mean, there's some, there's a lot of stuff in here. Yeah. Really. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think this is as close to big D disclosure as we're going to get, honestly. Oh, 100%. But like, I think the people that are saying that there's nothing in this report uh, are just pissed because they're not saying Yep, it's aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, we have definitive proof of alien life now, and I think what everybody wanted in this report is one hundred percent extraterrestrials are real. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, a lot of the people that are saying that there's nothing in this fall into one of two camps. Like you said, the people that um, were just like, if it doesn't say that we know that there are extraterrestrials and where they come from, also Mm -hmm. we've got secret bases and all this other stuff. Um, then it doesn't mean anything. And then the other camp are the debunkers um, who are pointing to this saying like, look, they don't know. It doesn't mean anything. There's right. no such waste thing as paper. aliens, you know, Yeah, waste yeah which is I mean, hilarious to me. But also it's the responsible view to take because it's true. They don't know. No one on earth knows what the hell these things are potentially. I mean, unless it's China or Russia, which I mean, I think even in the report, we'll get to it. I think, yeah. I think they're probably like, 
I, I think they're closing the door on that a bit. So pretty doubtful yeah. that either of those countries have this type of technology. Um, yeah, and if and and you know honestly, and if they do, holy shit, we're kind of fucked. Yeah. So yeah. if that's the well, case. And I, if they did, I feel like this would have been used by now. Yeah, thank yeah. You. Thank you. I don't. I don't think. I don't think we're as far ahead technologically of uh, China and Russia and maybe a few other people we would possibly consider rivals as the average American would like to think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still think we probably do have an edge, you know, or yeah. if they had something this like far beyond our own capabilities, we'd know a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We'd at least have heard, I don't know. I watched hunt for red October uh, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me think of of exactly this because it's like when they figured out what the silent propulsion system was on that submarine they it wasn't like they were like totally blown away that it was a thing it was just something that was theoretical that they all had tried but they couldn't make work you know what i'm saying yeah um, like, so, so the, their knowledge was like kind of around it but it it wasn't like a completely up. unknown foreign concept exactly yeah. Yeah. Well, like, what in the hell is that? Yeah. So and I, I think that's yeah. a responsible view to take is like, yeah, we don't know what this is, but we are trying to be fairly open about it. Like there's a lot more to this report that's still classified. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And you know, like Josh was saying too, I think, you know, I stumbled on a news article last week and they're talking about, you know, not closing the door and being surprised by technology. You know, it was a report on the um, underwater, the Navy underwater weaponry and, um, aircrafts that they've been working on that just recently came out, not as of too recently. They say, look, they could have been doing this 10 years ago. Like, it was no surprise. They've had patents. They've been working on it. It's something, you know, so not to poo-poo any of that, but at the same time, yeah, like you said, it's not, I just don't think it's laid out as plain as all of us wanted to, but at the same time, there's some cool stuff to grab. Um, Josh, you actually sent out this entire report, uh, I think the night day it came out. You've got some highlights on here. Uh, it's broken down into different sections, but I don't know, guys. You want to just kind of jump into it and kind of roll through the different sections and see how it's kind of laid out. Yeah, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's the that's the plan. That's so, the plan. <clears throat> yeah. So this came out the it's preliminary assessment. So with that, I think just even this is just like the first of what I have a feeling are going to be many unclassified reports from the UAP task force. So yep. this is the preliminary assessment from the office of the director of national intelligence, uh, June 25th, 2021. So just, just recently, and it's nine pages long, which I thought when I heard before I saw it, when I heard it was coming out, I thought this was going to be like a 50 page long, like likewise in this yep. case, in this case, Same. in this case, in this case. I thought it was going to be like the Warren Commission or the 9-11 report or something. You'd have to yeah. dig through so it. So like yeah. when, when you said it had just come out and you were going to try and read through it, I was like, uh, let me know how that goes. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was going to give it my best shot. And Ryan Sprague actually posted it. And I thought he just posted a partial thing of it because he posted all nine pages. I was like, okay, so it's, you know, that's the first tiny little shred, but yeah, yeah, this is all anyone's had time to look at, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but it is a preliminary assessment. So it's nine pages um, and it starts off page two scope and assumptions. And <clears throat> what well, this is just basically 
talking about who like who it's provided by um in a response to provision in senate report kind of just yeah you know, boring stuff and it's going through all of the uh what is it like the pseudonyms or like yeah like uh this acronym stands for this, yeah, yeah. like SecDev is Secretary of Defense. <laughs> um, and, and it's it is basically like a, okay, this report was commissioned by Congress. We're the uh office of the director of national intelligence, so we're the ones that are putting it together and sending it out. Basically, it's basically a work report. It's it's basically uh we're the ones that did the work, here you go. You're the ones that asked for it. Yeah. Like pretty straightforward, just nothing real. Really, yeah. it, it's like the the forward in a really boring book, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I will say that they kind of CYA'd themselves before, you know, totally on this, because even right mm-hmm. into the second page, big bold under executive summary, the limited amount of high quality reporting on unidentified aerial phenomena hampers our ability to draw firm conclusions about the nature of intent of UAP. So in other words, hey, we kind of research and put stuff together, but don't hold us to it. <laughs> kind of, you know. So, yeah, yeah, honestly, I mean, that is exactly what it is. It's uh, <clears throat> we're admitting we don't know. Yeah. Yep. Which is huge. Like uh, uh, in the second bullet point under that, I highlighted uh, a passage that just says most of the UAP reported probably do represent physical objects, given that a majority of UAP were registered across multiple sensors to include radar, infrared, electro optical weapon seekers and visual observation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's fucking huge mm-hmm. um, because that I, and I'll talk more about this later, I think, but that's one of the main things I've seen debunking specifically the like New York times videos that were leaked, like Tic Tac go fast and gimbal <clears throat> was that uh, I think Tic Tac specifically uh, people were trying to argue that it wasn't really an up close object. They were chasing that was moving super fast. It was really uh and a weather balloon, of course, uh, that okay. was really far away that was moving really slowly, but they were mistaking the distances because that's something fighter pilots do all the time, apparently, is mistake distances. Yeah, yeah, they didn't have the um, glasses on, evidently. So Yeah, and, and I think that this is a very important point because for in that particular case, it wasn't just the pilots in the air. So uh, one of the other debunking things that I heard a lot of was just because you know how to fly a plane doesn't mean you're not full of shit, which... Fair enough. Um, but when there's a bunch of people on the same mission that all see this thing and it's not just the pilots, it's also the radar crews on the ships um, and and key there is radar crew because that's going to tell you if it's far as fuck away, right? Yeah. Like if all the yeah. pilots are like, oh, fuck, check this thing out. I can't close on it. It's moving super fast. The radar operator on the ship is going to be like, it's because it's fucking 400 miles away, you dipshit. Yeah, they have the, yeah. they're flying the most technologically advanced so far that the government has put out planes with every sensitive data collector on there mm-hmm. and you're communicating with the ground. Um, so yeah, that those debunkers just sound like they're, they're they, Ill, like ill-informed or the, like they're not even dude thinking about it. I was going to save this for the wrap up, but I want to say it now before I forget <laughs> about it. Cause I also thought it was hilarious and I meant to tell you guys this, but last weekend was fucking nuts. Um, so the daily news show that I listened to finally started talking about this and like taking it, like not joking about it, but like saying like, yeah, I'm really excited and curious about this kind of stuff. Uh, like over the last couple of weeks 
and I was listening to it like Thursday or Friday and the guy was like, yeah, some listeners sent us this podcast where they're debunking it. And there's this dude that makes video games. Who's like debunking the way everything shows up on like the FLIR footage, which is what got released. And, uh, and how like the way it's moving in the background isn't consistent with something that's up close moving fast. And that's where all that came from. Right. Hmm. Um, but it's like, what the fuck does a video game designer know about the actual like data gathering systems on this aircraft? Josh, he and flies also, jets. Come on. We're talking man. about one camera, like footage from one camera that got released. That isn't even the main optical sensor. It's a targeting camera. Like, yeah. You well, know, we're also talking about top gun pilots. Um, you know, threatening their careers, like yeah, exactly. possibly ending their careers and flights. And those guys work their asses off to get in the air. Mm-hmm. They're not going to report something that could potentially ground them. Well, no, it's why to, a lot of these them, guys didn't talk about it till they retired. Exactly. They retired. And then they're like, yeah, that was some crazy shit. But, um, so I, I feel like we can talk about that forever, but basically, uh, the report also says that, um, it concentrated its review on reports that occurred between 2004 and 2021 mm-hmm. and the majority of which are a result of this new tailored process to better capture UAP events through formalized reporting. So taking the stigma away from these pilots and not grounding them and encouraging people to report what they're not only seeing with their eyeballs, what they're picking up on radar, proving that these are physical objects. Um So let's see here. It says in a limited number of incidents, UAP reportedly appeared to exhibit unusual flight characteristics. These observations could be the result of sensor errors, spoofing or observer misperception and will require additional rigorous analysis. Again, CYA right there. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, And which, you know, some of, some of this is, that's why we need to investigate to be like, all right, this is that. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we know what this is. We know what this is. We Mm -hmm. know what this is. We don't know what, a handful of that those are um they go on to say so there's multiple types of uap requiring different explanations based on the range of appearances and behaviors described in the uh, available reporting and they're putting these um these uap incidents in about like five potential explanatory or explanatory categories airborne clutter natural atmospheric phenomenon, United States government or U.S. industry development programs, foreign adversary systems, and a catch-all, quote-unquote, other bin. <laughs> I find that funny that they actually put other in That's parentheses. That's what they called it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. makes sense. Yeah. I guess. So, I'd like, um, you know, kind of like the lost sock I, bin. I, I don't know. I just feel like there's no way the U.S. is going to be flying these things, potentially harming, you know, these massively expensive fighter jets. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. That's my first thing. There's no, we're not going to put our own money and interests into jeopardy. I, so I think that's off the table, right? Well, there, it's even, right? even if it was like, say the top gun pilots that went to fly experimental aircraft for the CIA at area 51 or something were out flying over the ocean in this hot new thing and they wanted to fuck with their former colleagues, even then like the things that these pilots are reporting are very, very dangerous, like close airspace stuff and near collisions and near misses and stuff. So I don't think any, like even if they were testing aircraft and wanting to to fuck with their compatriots, they're not going to do that. 
No, like they would that do that dangerously. Well, and they would know? do that in a controlled test in exactly. a restricted airspace to where no one can see. And they and they and so the next thing it says after the five uh explanatory explanatory god i can't say that fucking word um so it says that uap clearly pose a safety of flight issue and may pose a challenge to u.s national security safety concerns primarily center on aviators contending with an increasingly cluttered air domain uap would also represent a national security challenge if they are foreign adversary collection platforms or provide evidence a potential adversary has developed either a breakthrough or disruptive technology. So I think that's an important mm-hmm. thing right there to discuss because you think you know think about it now with air travel, anything whether it's military, whether it's civilian, everything's tracked, everything has its own road right up there that's already. Yep. So if we have something that's that's going rogue and they're not following that and we don't know where they're at, I mean, it, I feel maybe it, it's just a matter of time before. There's some major shit that's going to happen, whether it be a collision, whether it be, I mean, something just that we're not mapping. You know, that's an issue, you know, especially yeah. now the more we populate the skies, which I can't believe it would be any more than what we already have. But mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> so, yeah, that's that is page three. That's basically the summary of what the the executive summary um, if we want to move to page four of the report, it's uh, available reporting largely inconclusive. Yeah, and Josh, so you let, highlighted some stuff here too, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, if Josh, if you want to take yeah. this. So, like, I think just that I didn't highlight the headline there because it's bold and underlined, so they did it for me. But, um, like, uh, the first sentence of this says, or first two sentences are limited data and inconsistency in reporting are key challenges to evaluating UAP. Uh, no standardized reporting mechanism existed until the Navy established one in March 2019. And then a little bit later, it says, uh, but it remains limited to U.S. government reporting. So the Air Force has adapted what the Navy put into use, but it's like mm-hmm. two years old, not even, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think that that's important because there was like this signifies a shift from you're risking your career if you report this kind of stuff to we probably want to know what's going on. And it's you know what I mean? Like, I think that's a a pretty big and important thing. Well, and it shows how new this is for actually reporting this type of stuff that, you know, I mean, they they have pretty limited data to go on i mean they say it right there they're like hey we're working with what we got but yeah. people have only been reporting these things since 2019 now yeah so that's that's not a long time well not to sound weird about it but let's you know um, if, if we well let's sound weird about it um if you look i mean on, we might as well we just might as well go down that road right yes it's true with this and how they report it the data analysis that they're getting all that stuff but you know, think about everything that was cloak and dagger back, you know, whether it be Project Blue Book or whatever, you know, that they were still kind of, yes, it was not open. It wasn't public, but they're still, I wonder, I, I'm just, I guess maybe I'm asking you guys that question, how that from what we're looking at 1947 when the first sighting appeared to now, now this is in the light. Now you're talking about pilots not losing their careers. Now you're talking about it's actually a thing. What happens to all that undercloak stuff that happened from 47 to 2017? Anything? I, th- I think they spent so much time and effort trying to debunk and discredit all of that in just in general. Uh, like there was, there was very, very few cases that came out of project blue book that were, that were bonafide really. 
Yeah, that yeah. we're at least left with the we couldn't explain that one. Almost everything was given at least swamp gas. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so I, I think it would be really hard for them to like try and relitigate that or bring any of it back out. It would be kind of pointless. Which I, yeah, which is know? actually a good thing because it gives this a little bit more foundation, yeah, legitimate foundation. You know what like, I mean? Rather than digging back in the in the coffers. So anyway, just kind of thinking out loud more than anything. So. So, um, and then also with that, so you highlighted that job, you had another one on here, mm-hmm. um, just under, if you want to. Yeah. So it's quick. just the next paragraph. Um, and it says after carefully considering this information, and this is where I highlighted, uh, the UAPTF, which is the new a, a- tip basically, mm-hmm. uh, focused on reports that involved UAP largely witnessed firsthand by military aviators, and that were collected from systems we consider to be reliable. And I think that's a really big deal because that's saying, A, we trust the observers. We think that they're highly trained and very credible. B, to counter the point I brought up earlier about just because you know how to fly a plane doesn't mean you're not full of shit. Um, They're also saying the data was collected from systems they consider to be reliable, which is fucking gigantic. Yeah. Because they're saying we trust the pilots, but more importantly, we also trust the way they're collecting this data. It's all documented and shit, you know? Yep. No, 100% agree. No, I understand that completely. Um, interesting on here, too, when they go down. So let's look at breakdown at actually where what their sources were. 144 reports originated from the USG sources. Of these, 80 reports involved observation with multiple sensors. Most reports described UAP as objects that interrupted pre-planned training or other military activity. So at least they got some numbers put on paper, which is kind of cool. So... Mm-hmm. Well, now it's giving us, you know, we know exactly, we don't know what reports they've looked into, but there's plenty mm-hmm. of reports to go through. Mm-hmm. Well, and also, um, also oh. 144 reports originated from uh, U.S. government sources of these 80 reports involved observation with multiple sensors. Uh, that's over half yeah. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good chunk, you know, personally. So um, you've got other stuff highlighted here, Josh. You want to read it out? This is a UAP collection challenges. They got a little highlighted box here that are talking about uh, socio cultural stigmas and sensor limitations. And they made it a point to, <laughs> I guess, make it a point, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and I think this, the reason this is like highlighted in its own like called out section is, uh, they're acknowledging partially their own hand in the fuckery, but also that like, this is something that people just kind of don't take seriously, you know? And uh, the, the segment that I highlighted. So uh, UAP collection challenges, uh, socio cultural stigmas and sensor limitations remain obstacles to the collection to collecting data on UAP. Although some technical challenges such as how to appropriately filter out radar clutter to ensure safety of flight for military and civilian aircraft are longstanding in the aviation community, while others are unique to the UAP problem set. Uh, bullet point one, narratives from aviators in the operational community and an analysts from the military and IC describe disparaging 
or sorry, disparagement associated with observing UAP, reporting it or attempting to discuss it with uh, with colleagues. And this is where I highlighted. I think this is important. Mm -hmm. Although the effects of these stigmas have lessened as senior members of the scientific policy, military and intelligence communities engage in the topic seriously in public. Reputational risk may keep observers silent, complicating scientific pursuit of the topic. So they're admitting yes. that it's still a fucking problem. Yes. Yes. You know? And it's going to be and, a problem. Yeah. And uh, I think it goes without saying, like they didn't say it here, but I think it does go without saying that uh, they understand that they have a pretty heavy hand in creating that environment as well. Right. Let's touch that real quick, though. I will be the first one to admit, you know, and we talked about this, I think, briefly. Um the 60 minute episode that came out, what, a month ago, you know, and, and again, never in my time would I think that, it, you know, a major news program that's been around for 50 plus years would cover UFOs. But I was impressed not only by the original reporting that they had interviewed the pilots that originally had come out, but uh, there's a female pilot that came out too, that she, and she flat out said, look, I drug my feet. I didn't know what to, I, so that's a very good example of that. It was surprising to see. Now you have support. Now you have somebody else saying something that, that was kind of late in the game, but they're willing to, to go out there and put their nose out there a bit. Um, I don't know. I, I thought that that was something. And so that kind of correlates in regards to this with reputation for sure. It's still going to be a problem. You know, and you still got God. How, who knows how many people out there, you know, pilots or whatever have you that still are poo poo on this, and they really just there's no way they're going to want the limelight whatsoever. You know, it's something. So I don't know. I just find that very interesting for sure. For sure. So, anyway, um, you've got this other little thing yep. here too highlighted. Uh, yep. So the next yeah. section is uh, the senior. Uh, sorry, the sensors mounted on U.S. military platforms are typically designed to fulfill specific mission missions. As a result, those sensors are not generally suited for identifying UAP. Uh, this is important because um, it's pretty rare, I think, for people to uh, mention technical and technology uh, shortfalls. Mm -hmm. Uh and not be using it as an excuse, right? Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like they're not saying, oh, we don't know because the sensors are this or that. They're just saying this is also something to consider um, while looking at the things that uh, we might not be able to uh, to identify and put in nicely into any of the buckets besides other. And the, yeah, um, yeah. The, the five topics they decided to, <laughs> you know, the, the little baskets they decided to put out there. Right. So. And then uh, lastly, it says uh, sen sensor vantage points and the numbers of sensors concurrently observing an object play substantial roles in distinguishing UAP from known objects and determining whether a UAP demonstrates breakthrough aerospace capabilities. Uh, optical sensors have the benefit of providing some insight into relative size, shape, and structure. Uh, radio frequency sensors provide more accurate velocity and range information. And this is important, and I would have highlighted it uh, in light of some other stuff I read afterwards, mm -hmm. um, specifically around uh, the way all of the sensor systems on the F-18 Super Hornet, which was like the basis of these more notable sightings. Right, right. Or the craft they were flying when they, when they made those. Um, they have all of these different sensors that work together to give the pilot like a real time um, three dimensional view of, of what they're looking at. Like, mm -hmm. uh, so I forget exactly what it's called. I would have to pull up the, 
the story that I read in the debrief the other day that's part of that series um, that they were running uh, kind of based on this. But the second article, they're talking to uh, Ryan Graves, who uh, was associated. I think he was one of the dudes that reported the uh, on the gimbal or the go fast video. Mm -hmm. Um, and he like gets really in depth describing how all of the different sensor systems overlap, um, on the F-18 super Hornet and, and what a realistic view of what you're looking at, it gives you. So that goes right back to debunking the, Oh, it was really a weather balloon that was super far away. And all these guys are just idiots. Right. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing people got to remember. Well, most people should, these things are designed for warfare. They're designed for observation, for military, whatever have you. They're going to have redundancy designed into them. That's the whole premise of it. And it's better, you know, when you have something like this, and you said you see it, it's not just a blip. You know, they see it, and then it's gone. They don't have time. They have these things on sensors for a bit. They have these the time to study, the time to see what they're doing, how they're maneuvering, you know, and that's unique, you know, because before technology came along, you know, way back when we probably didn't have that technology. So... But um, something you said about that. Um, we're going to take a quick break real quick. We're rolling on to page five um, on the UAP report. We will return. Stand by, everybody. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality. Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right, and we are back. Um, John, you brought up a really good point. We're going to backtrack a bit on something if you want to kind of cover it because it's, we were going so fast. We're so excited over here. We just missed it completely. <laughs> yeah. So um, back on page four, they were saying they were able to identify one reported UAP with high confidence. And do you, if you guys remember uh, the photo that came out from the fighter pilot's window and it was highly controversial a bunch of people were saying this was a batman balloon um blah 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 and um it turns out that they identified the object as a large deflating the uh balloon and the others remain unexplained with um the other ones they were looking at but so that picture that everybody was saying was a balloon but was it turn out (laughs) indeed to be a balloon (laughs) and you know what i'll be honest with you i am the first one to admit i was wrong because when that first came out we're all bantering back and forth i'm like there's no fucking way that a mylar balloon is going to get that high and then john i think you looked up the facts and go actually it says here let me put my glasses on so yeah it was one of those uh, arguments we had earlier on i'm typically a smug son of a bitch and love being right but i'm fucking really bummed that i was right because that actually really fucking sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you you take, like, it shows that they're, I don't know, they're like, yeah, we know what that is. We don't know what this is. Which, you know what, and that is a very valid point. I'm glad we did backtrack a bit, because it, it gives some validity to this report and what they have in it, where they can, they're going to, they're going to pull this certain thing out and say, okay. This is what we think here, and we know this for sure. I, I don't know. In my opinion, you know, it kind of builds a little bit more uh, 
I, I know, legitimates me, I guess, you know, for the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah. <clears throat> anyway, but well, yeah. Um, so there are some potential patterns that do emerge. Mm-hmm. So the report goes on to say, although there was wide variability in the reports and the data set is currently too limited to allow for detailed trend or pattern analysis, there was some clustering of UAP observations regarding shape, size, and particularly propulsion. UAP sightings also tended to cluster around U.S. training and testing grounds, but we assess that this may result from a collection bias as a result of focused attention, greater numbers of latest generation sensors operating in those areas. Uh, unit expectations and guidance to report anomalies. That's a good point. That's a very good point. And I think uh, two of the things, two of the points that come up in that paragraph are really important. Um, One, uh, that they are observing um, clustering around size, shape, and propulsion particularly, um, because that does indicate that these are similar craft of a similar origin, um, if they are craft, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. And... um, that they are admitting that there's probably a collection bias um, because of where they're seeing a lot of these sites around their test ranges where everyone's paying attention, you know, and they're deploying like state of the art latest stuff, Uh, which brings me back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago with uh, the sensor arrays and how uh, FA 18 Hornets have the, that system that compiles everything onto one, one view for the pilots um, and that all of these sightings went up actually like once they got that, the newest like radar installed, you know? Mm. Yeah. It makes me think that these things could potentially be all over the place, but we're just not necessarily like, you know, have advanced radar all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And that's very, that really kind of excuse the, um, you know, your investigative points for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they do talk right. about, uh, let me say, in 18 incidents described in 21 reports, observers reported unusual UAP movement patterns or flight characteristics. And Josh, you highlighted this too. Right. So some UAP appeared to remain stationary in winds aloft, move against the wind, maneuver abruptly, or move at considerable speed without discern- discernible means of propulsion. In a small number of cases, military aircraft system processed radio frequency energy associated with UAP sightings. Um, I find that I think that's all pretty fucking important mm-hmm. because I'm pretty sure most of those fell into that other bucket we were talking about earlier, right? Where they're mm-hmm. not easily classifiable as birds or balloons or, you know, other clutter in the sky. Yeah, well, I I was pretty blown away by military aircraft system process radio frequency energy associated Thank with you. UAP sightings. Thank you. I was like, wait, so, and I mean, I'm not a scientist, so you know, maybe I'm uh, uh, thinking about this the wrong way. But when I read that, I think that they're tracking these UAP. They have these UAP sightings, and these UAPs are sending off. RF frequencies. So somehow yeah. they may be communicating with each other or something, something but like that. You know, it could be that um, it could also be their propulsion systems. Um, so uh, I want to, I want to make sure I'm saying this right, but I know I'm not going to, um, but um, radio frequency, like energy isn't just from 
communication, like just from radio frequency, like what we think of as like AM, FM, broadband, all that stuff. It is basically the super spectrum. It is basically uh, anything that generates power also generates RF frequency, right? Yeah. Hmm. Um, If I understand things correctly if i'm wrong someone please well and and not to but not to oh not to your face sir so this is one thing with this is uh and and again this is going down the weird path but you know if you look at actual encounters that have happened especially the ones way back in the day when our radar frequencies were very simple uh 98.9 percent of the reports that happened they always had something happen with the either the function of the car the function of the radio before sightings, before it would appear. And again, that's very, I know that's layman going back into, oh my God, encounters. But you know, that's really a legitimate thing. Most of these people that have the encounters, that it, it went along with it, right back to Travis Walton. It's the same thing in their truck. So, well, and it, you know, something it be said about it. Kind of makes sense too, because like uh, a strong enough RF signal, um, when you're, if you think about RF not as, uh, as like AM, FM, but as just like, uh, byproduct of power output mm-hmm. can knock out electricity oh yeah well and it can completely screw up any signal wave within the area if it's powerful enough you know yeah, and then, yeah and then so like that could easily like fry the electrics in the car to where it just dies right yeah yeah, yeah again thinking is, out of the that, box but you know yeah i mean but i thought that was an interesting interesting fact and that's one of the things in here it's like oh they didn't say anything it's like i don't know that I, there's a lot of interesting stuff yeah absolutely um, yeah, but uh, moving on, I suppose. Sure. Um, <laughs> the UAP task force holds a small amount of data that appeared to show UAP demonstrating acceleration or a degree of signature management. Additional rigorous analysis are necessary by multiple teams or groups of technical experts to determine the nature and validity of these data. We are conducting further analysis to determine if breakthrough technologies were demonstrated. Um, and then goes on to say uap probably lack a single explanation i which, find that one term that's a very interesting way to head a topic i think <laughs> that's the most common sense thing in the report which is why i highlighted yeah. it because yeah. anyone who thinks that even if it's i don't know so we've all read a lot of john keel and and know a bit about like his theory of the super spectrum which is kind of like a unifying theory for uh paranormal shit and uh, and he basically is like, these aren't aliens. They're ultra terrestrials. They've always been here. They come from here. They're just like, you know, we can't always see them kind of mm-hmm. is his take on it. Um, meanwhile, you've got other people who are convinced they're aliens from Zeta Reticuli or whatever. Um, also could be foreign adversaries. Who knows? Them lacking a signal explanation is probably the most probable things. Like there's no reason uh, all of those situations can't be true yeah absolutely absolutely yep. I, I think yeah that's something you said about that it yeah. does um let me see here Airborne. well you highlighted this too but i find this so we're getting into up in the beginning up in the the first half of the report they did classify the five categories they named them but down here they actually define them and and i thought that was kind of interesting just for you know so we know the specifics of everything yeah um 
I don't know if you want me to read this all, but yeah, it goes on to explain the five five things, but it says, with the exception of the one instance where we determined with high confidence that the reported UAP was airborne clutter, specifically a deflating balloon, we currently lack sufficient information in our data set to attribute in- incidents to specific explanations. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so they go on to kind of define what these five um, explanatory things are. Airborne clutter. So airborne clutter... Objects include birds, balloons, recreational unmanned aerial vehicles, UAV, or airborne debris-like plastic bags that muddle a scene and affect an operator's ability to identify true targets such as enemy aircraft. Then you have natural atmospheric phenomenon. And natural atmospheric phenomenon include ice crystals, moisture, and thermal fluctuations that may register on some infrared and radar systems. Then... United States government or industry developmental program. Some UAP observations could be attributable to developments and classified programs by U S entities. We are unable to confirm, however, that these systems accounted for any of the UAP reports we collected. I thought that was interesting. They put that little tidbit in there. I mean, I I love the idea of like breakaway civilizations and and stuff that's so black budget that nobody really knows what's happening. But at the end of the day, I think that's probably actually a little far-fetched. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, the office of the director of national intelligence can probably at least get a yes, no from anyone else about, hey, was this you? You Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. So. And then, obviously, the foreign adversary system. Some UAP may be technologies deployed by China, Russia, another nation, or a non-governmental entity. Some evil, rich, mad scientist. <laughs> Rubbing his hands together somewhere. Right. So, yeah, the yeah. evil twin of Elon Musk or something. Oh, wait. Did you see Elon Musk? Yeah. <laughs> that guy. And then, you know, what we want it to be is the other. Mm-hmm. What, what category we want all of these to fall into, just because it's the funnest idea. Yeah, it's what we're uh, here for. It's what we're it's literally what we're here for. Um, although most of the UAP described in our data set probably remain unidentified due to limited data or challenges to collection processing or analysis, we may require additional scientific knowledge to successfully collect on, analyze, and characterize some of them. We would group such objects in this category pending scientific advances that l- allowed us to better understand them. The UAP task force intends to focus additional analysis on the small number of cases where a UAP appeared to display unusual flight characteristics or signature management. And I think about half of that paragraph is very important because it, again, is them saying we couldn't, even if we wanted to tell you what this is, we couldn't, we don't know. And we also don't probably have the correct uh, technological advancement to be able to tell you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that pretty breaks it down. And and it's crazy. Like they are looking at cases that they have observed and the scientists that have looked on this and the people that investigated this have seen something physical that they cannot explain. So, I mean, yeah. yep. Yep. Who knows what that is, but that's pretty pretty crazy. It's something. Well, it's something. Yeah, we and we talked earlier about um, safety, right? You know, we talked about like flight patterns and, you know, if these things are up there, they're cluttering everything up. Um, they actually made a point to put this right in the report. UAP threatened flight safety and possible national security. Um, Josh, you had a thing highlighted here saying the UAPTF has 11 reports of documented instances which pilots reported near misses with UAP. And I think I remember one of them where it was like literally it shot behind them and they didn't even know 
what was happening, what was going on, and they had to take immediate maneuvers to avoid it. So it's um that's going to be something for sure. Yeah, and I mean there are a lot of famous UFO cases too, where uh like the Japan Air case from fuck God the seventies or eighties oh, where they yeah, thought the they were being yeah. chased. You yeah. Know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's part of me wonders if they're just fucking around with these pilots sometimes because it's just like it was a near miss, but was it a near miss on them or did they know exactly? Yeah. I just picture what? a stoned alien coming out you of the know. ocean. Like he, yeah, you know, like his windshield is all full of water. He can't see where he's going. And oh fuck! Like, man, oh I'm my sorry. god! <laughs> my just bad. space cruising, literally. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, I, you know, this next paragraph makes me wonder if there's like some crazy spies trying from this. Now they're trying to really see, you know, what russia or china is up to with their you know where their technology has advanced to because it says potential national security challenges we currently lack data to indicate any uap are part of a foreign collection program or indicative of a major technological advancement by a potential adversary we continue to monitor for evidence of such programs given the counterintelligence challenge they would pose particularly as some uap have been detected near military facilities or by aircraft carrying the united states government's most advanced system, sensor systems yeah so there's got to be some crazy counterintelligence happening right now in the world i mean there always is there mm-hmm. always has oh, been oh yeah yeah so it's sure. not like it's not like this report has all of a sudden made like Oh my God, they're doing something behind our back. Yeah, yeah. No, and the thing too here is like this, I think they're kind of admitting like, hey, us admitting not knowing what everything is, is opening us up to some tomfoolery from uh, other intelligence agencies, from other, you know, foreign adversaries and stuff. But I, I don't think that, this opens us up to anything that wasn't already happening. You know what yeah. I mean? I hope not. Yep. I, I mean, I worry about that too, because, you know, especially in, in the light of, you know, the scenario we're in with the world, I, I hope this doesn't cause issues with that where, you know, people are finger, you know, finger pointing basically at that point. And well, I mean, if you think up. about it, if you're, you know, the Chinese or the Russians or any, even allies maybe that are looking to get one over on us, if they're, if they can figure out a way to make whatever they're doing unidentifiable, right. To look oh, for sure. Like, for sure. Like, uh, like a spacecraft or just like air clutter or whatever. Right. Then they, they know that that's going to be something that is going to be looked at, but also looked at a little bit of scans and like, uh, probably not vetted super thoroughly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause it's they're they're hoping to get it tossed in the other bin where, they think that it's going to at least obfuscate what they're actually trying to accomplish. Right. Right. Yeah. No, agreed. but I think that if, if they ever thought that was a viable counterintelligence measure, they were already doing it. Like it makes me think of that uh, X files episode where like some teenagers get abducted by a UFO off the a remote highway. And then everyone on the UFO, the aliens and the teenagers get abducted by another UFO. And then later you find out that like the first UFO was a Russian or air force craft and the flight suits, like they look like aliens because of their flight suits and like all this dumb shit. But it just makes me think of that. Like if, if they thought they could use this to an advantage before they already were, you yeah. know, well, whatever advantage. Well, and I'm, I, I guarantee there's stuff that they have right now. All, all, the superpower countries that would blow our minds and that we have no, like we 
we probably couldn't even wrap our heads around it right now. But I, for some reason, sincerely doubt that we've uh, tackled or accomplished figuring out how to uh, like avoid detecting propulsion right. of, no, some, right. of, of yeah. some type. Yeah. You know, like I don't know if our science has gotten to the point where it's just not clear where the propulsion is coming from. Yeah. And I'll honestly tell you, you know, if you had, if we broke in or had a midnight where we could hang out for a night at the DARPA and just, it would blow our proverbial minds. I'm sure. Oh yeah. What they have there. But again, sure. not to this, not, not to this, mm-hmm. this is something just beyond, you know? Yeah. Yeah. As far as we know, we don't know of anything more advanced than just like jet propulsion, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, who are we? What do we know? Yeah. Well, you know, it piss on fun of it. Yeah. Um, so explaining anyway. UAP will require analytic collection and resource investment. So standardize the reporting, consolidate the data and deepen the analysis. Sounds sexy. So, uh, very sexy. Um, Bunch of boring talk. The UAP task force long-term goal is to widen the scope of its work to include additional UAP events documented, documented by a broader swath, excuse me, of United States government personnel and technical systems in its analysis. And as the data set increases, the UAP task force ability to employ data analytics to detect trends will also improve. The initial focus will be to employ artificial intelligence slash machine learning algorithms to cluster and recognize similarities and patterns and features of the data points. Mm -hmm. And as the database accumulates information from known aerial objects, such as weather balloons, high altitude or super pressure balloons and wildlife machine learning can add efficiency by pre-assessing UAP reports to see if those records match similar events already in the database. Interesting. I think that's important because it, on the one hand, it's like showing wanting to put uh, modern solutions to modern problems. On the other hand, I think people give uh, machine learning way too much. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's Um, that's a slippery slope right there, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, I'm familiar with, I got to be careful how I say this, I think, but like um, it's as good as the people that are using it and the people that are setting it up and informing it. Right. So you, it's like when you look at uh, facial recognition software and it has an implicit bias to, I, to like mistake black people's faces, right? Like even to the AI and the machine learning, which are basically the same thing. Right. Um, because of the people who built it and set it up, all black people look the same. Like it's, we've transferred our own imply Im, implicit biases into it already. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I'd see like, Oh, that's cool. They want to like use this to sift through, a through big data. And that's like forward thinking and really cool, but also like how well can you trust this machine learning to not just classify everything as a weather balloon to basically just be a computerized version of project blue book. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Agreed. Agreed. And you can lose well, a lot too. I mean, that can a lot of stuff can be swathed away by doing that. If that's what mm-hmm. if that's a sole thing that you're using too. Yeah, like well, the note I put in this was something like, Are they really trying or is this an out? Like, <laughs> hey, we dumped it all into the computer and the computer said it's uh, nothing to worry about, so see you later. Yeah, and part of me part of me just thinks this will turn into another project blue book of sorts. Mm-hmm. But for some reason this seems like 
these people are taking it a little more seriously than they did. Like, it seems like they are concerned with national security. Like this is why this task force has been created is for national security and to get a jump on our adversaries. So I think they're taking this a lot more seriously than they did back in the day with project blue book and things, because I feel like project blue book was trying to debunk just, Oh, those aren't real. It's just, yeah crackpots it's not like they were trying to prove that it's not aliens at, at these various, guys are trying to prove that it is russia you know yeah they're they're at least not trying to prove that it's nothing that it's swamp gas right mm-hmm. so like there were definite instances during the tenure of project blue book because it did last a really long time and there were a lot of people who actually worked on it yeah and jay um, allen Hynek, like oh yeah amazing yeah. work huge so. yeah um, but there were also a lot of people who were like, we're just trying to make this go away. Basically, we're trying to avoid panic. It's the Cold War. Everyone's building bomb shelters in their backyards. Like we want everyone to chill the fuck out. Mm-hmm. So when we we gave the public a place to report this shit and we can just convince them that it's Venus or swamp gas or fucking whatever so that everyone calms the fuck down and goes back to work. Mm-hmm. Let me counterbalance that with something, though. Yes, point, you know, makes perfect sense. That's fine. But is it because of back in the day, there was no internet, there, things weren't as open. It was easy to shuffle things underneath the rug. Not easy, but not quite as hard as it is nowadays. Or nowadays, we have internet, we have technology, we have literally people in the Senate and the House saying, hey, no, there needs to be a report, which is where this report stemmed from. Is it yeah. because that shows that they're putting effort into it? Is this just another form of shuffling well, the feel- coconut shells? I feel like we're we're more so. technologically advanced than we were in the fifties and sixties. Obviously, oh, absolutely, clearly, yeah. you know, clearly, like the, the you know, but that's what I'm saying. Scientists, but like, so now you know we're all growing with this, and the people in Congress or in this task force, you know, like, I, you know, they know technology exists, mm-hmm. and I mean, I'm hoping. I'm not. I, saying I don't that, know. I, you know. I just. I, I. I guess I just have a little more hope that um, the reason they're taking this seriously is because they have advanced with this technology. And we do realize that the world is crazy and, you know, the science is wild and, you know, we've just in certain ways become smarter human beings. Yeah. Yeah, And, and even looking back on project blue book, like it wasn't always the, like for 100% of the time it was run basically a disinformation cover-ups, scheme right like it would just depended on who was in charge of it at any given time as to whether or not they were trying to find real answers or just trying to make people shut up and go back to work and i think we still have those same tensions today i think just with the shift in popular culture over the last you know 40 50 years and and the acceptance of this kind of stuff into like mainstream consciousness Mm. that you can take it more seriously from an official standpoint. I mean, you guys remember uh, the report that uh, they put together. Oh, shit. Not Raytheon. The Rand Corporation put together the report oh, yeah, before yeah. the moon landing about like, what do we do if we find aliens? And their advice was don't fucking tell anybody because <laughs> right. everyone will like the world will dissolve Freak into out. panic. Talk about bomb I think shelters we've realized at this point that we're kind of past that. So we can look yeah. at this a little bit more openly and honestly. Yeah, well, I think but there's always going to be that tension of just yeah. getting people back to work and getting them to shut the fuck up. Well, and I think it just proves that our we're, this this is a cultural shift. 
And and, yes. and granted, I ho- I hope so. I'm just you know I'm throwing that other side out there just because you know that's what we do. You know we you got to look at both sides of this. I I believe so too, and I hope so too that this is where we're at. We do have you know people are you know if an alien landed in the White House lawn nowadays versus 60 years ago, I doubt very rarely you'd have the same reaction. So yes, get it completely. But you know there's something you said about that. But yeah. um, anyway, yeah. So the UAP task force. Um, has begun to develop interagency analytical and processing workflows to ensure both collection and analysis will be well-informed and coordinated. So I think there's hope in that as well. Like, you know, it's not just, nope, this is the task force thing. We're closed off to any help from any other agency. We've got this, you know? Mm -hmm. So it looks like they're trying to make this a community of sorts of intelligence and trying to give everyone not just like people not just naval aviators but like everybody the a chance, the chance to say to yeah yeah well i think that, you know they they keep talking about how limited their data is and how they have such blinders uh with the scope of the data they have just from how they've collected it so far so they're trying to really broaden that data up so they're getting data from here data from there like you know more ways to look at it yeah, collaboration of sorts, you know, which is great. Four eyes is better than two, you know. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. So, um, yeah, and then it goes into so the majority of UAP data is from U.S. Navy reporting, which we kind of know, um, but efforts are underway to standardize incident reporting across U.S. military services and other government agencies to ensure all relevant data is captured with respect to particular incidents and any U.S. activities that may be relevant. So that kind of goes back to what you were saying, John. I think, yeah, now, you know, everybody's kind of in a collaboration here. Um, mm-hmm. USAF is working on theirs. Um, you know, and Josh, you highlighted this here. All their USAF data collection has been limited historically. The USAF began a six-month pilot program in November 2020 to collect in the most likely areas to encounter UAP and is evaluating how to normalize future collection, reporting, and analysis across the entire Air Force. Yeah, so, and I put a little note on that that basically said, I wonder – because I was thinking out loud to myself while mm-hmm. I read it. I, I wonder if this is basically this report saying everything you dipshits did with Operation Grudge, Operation Blue Book, fucking the Condon report, all that stuff. It was a bad idea. Let's not do that again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we yeah, should right. we yeah. should have never been discrediting this stuff because now we might we might know what the fuck is going on by now yeah. if we had treated um, it like grownups. Yeah. Um, yeah, imagine if we'd been looking at this uh topic seriously for the last 50 years oh my god yeah like where would we be now off world probably star trek <laughs> like, honestly fucking a. Yeah, yeah i feel like just discrediting this topic this like very real topic um you know and not even saying alien but just this there's obviously we're, some we're, physical we're, technology we're so well, it's small like god it's all so of the comprehension all of the debunkers come from the standpoint of and i know like personally people who I've had these conversations with where they're, they just can't imagine that humanity's technological grasp isn't the pinnacle of technology throughout the universe. Right. So like I've got friends who are very smart who, whenever we talk about UFOs, they're just like, well, I just don't believe it. I don't think it's possible that they could travel that far. And, and, and honestly, I probably don't believe in like aliens in general and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, so mathematically, that's impossible. There are definitely other life forms in the civilization, in the universe, whether they're complex or not. There's at least fucking bacteria. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I think it's extremely arrogant to assume that our understanding of physics and, and space travel 
on the limited basis that we have it is like the end all be all of it. And well, I mean, that's, call such, it that's just us because that's us. We're it's such a assholes. human response though. I Absolutely. Mean, people back in the day would tell you the world is flat and you're an idiot if you think otherwise. And I mean, I guess, unfortunately there's still people that think that <laughs> I know, was going to say well, it's a bad I mean, example, John. Morons. <laughs> there's an ice wall around us, John. Oh yeah. I forgot. There's a cruise next year. I already got tickets. I'll let you guys know how it goes. So actually anyway. I do kind of want to go on that. <laughs> Probably, man, fucking die of six different kinds of COVID, but I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of want to go. Right. <laughs> so anyway. um, we're just about done with this um, report, but we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep going with it. So the FAA captures data related to UAP during the normal course of managing air traffic operations. The FAA generally ingests this data when pilots and other airspace users report unusual or unexpected events to the FAA's air traffic organization. So in addition, the FAA continuously monitors its system for anomalies, generating additional information that may be of use to the UAPTF. The FAA is able to isolate data of interest to the UAPTF and make it available. The FAA has a robust and effective outreach program that can help the UAPTF reach members of the aviation community to highlight the importance of reporting UAP. And that is fucking huge because yeah. we've all heard the stories of spe- like even speaking specifically of, of uh, Japan, that Japan air incident, just because I brought it up earlier, but like you hear so many stories of whenever just like a civilian pilot or a commercial pilot wants to report some weird shit the guy in the control tower is always like, are you sure you want to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And now if they have buy-in from the FAA where that's not going to um, fucking uh, put where, where you're not necessarily putting your career in jeopardy when you're like, Hey, there's something weird outside my window anymore. Mm. Um, I think that's, uh, I think that's huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. It definitely is. Um, So expand collection. The UAPTF is looking for novel ways to increase collection of UAP cluster areas when U.S. forces are not present as a way to baseline standard UAP activity and mitigate the collection bias in the data set. One proposal is to use advanced algorithms to search historical data captured and stored by radars. The UAPTF also plans to update its current interagency UAP collection strategy in order to bring to bear relevant collection platforms and methods from the DOD and the uh, IC, Hmm. which is the intelligence community. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I had to look at too. I see. I get so many terms every day. I guess. Yeah, I know. And then, it, and then it ends. So this is basically, and this is page seven. Um, it, there's a couple appendixes, but I don't really think these are no, very. No. Yeah. Very I, we've done the heavy lifting for y'all. You can read it yourselves. It's yeah. nine fucking pages. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll th- finish it off by increased investment in research and development. Uh, The UAP task force has indicated that additional funding for research and development could further the future study of the topics laid out in this report. Such investments should be guided by a UAP collection strategy, UAP R&D technical roadmap, and a UAP program plan. Mm. And that's that's it. Well, there you go. Well, it sounds like they have things mapped out, at least – you know, Mm -hmm. hey, look, this is what we're – we've got this. Now we're going to do this standby. At least, you know, they mention it. So – I had some kind of final thoughts on this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we have SETI, right? And they have been looking into the universe for years. And part of me wants NASA to, and I mean, I know it's, they're all about space and everything, but 
part of me wants like at least a segment of them like focus all of this stuff like don't look out look in start like mm-hmm. heavily looking in with all of those you know satellites right. that they're using to right. look right light years away like let's use all of that power and energy to look on this planet first because clearly you know that uh the pilot ryan graves i think is mm-hmm. his name he was saying that you know this is constantly happening off the coast they see them all the time and like this is just a regular occurrence it's not like this happened one time and it was yeah. fucking crazy and he said even like they're he's retired now but he still has pilots telling him like oh yeah they're out there like we see him every day yeah. so it's like if, yeah. if they use like the power of seti to just really focus on this planet i don't know maybe they are maybe um, i don't know maybe i don't understand how like but i'm just saying and maybe if the whatever study how that operates that doesn't work here i'm sure they can f- get great monitoring well somehow yeah. to monitor this planet so study mostly use radio re- uses radio like ground-based radio right. telescopes to look out um which makes it hard to look anywhere but out yeah, well, basically, um, I'm saying quit looking out and look in. Yeah, I don't think to do that. I think your main point is very, very right. Like we're also we live in a surveillance state. Uh, we're the world's foremost superpower. We live in a surveillance state, and it's not even as crazy as it is in some other places. As far as like how many eyes are trained upon, like like you said, John, satellites up looking down. There's no way we're missing all of this, right? Mm-hmm. There, I I swear there can't be, like, and if there is, then maybe we need to retask some stuff because, I mean, a lot of the stuff that we we obsess about as far as intelligence gathering and 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 where we're pointing satellites and stuff, uh, that's just going to happen. Yeah, no well, matter what. Actually, you know? it's funny you should bring that up. So I think what we may do is we may actually put out probably next week we may do a bonus Patreon episode and and we'll we'll concentrate on UAP. So Patreon standby. I did have an article from what kind of stems what you say, John. As far hey, let's look in a little bit, and it actually is uh, NASA came up with their own little list, and there's a lot to it, and we'll we might cover it more in depth later on. But NASA actually answers the uh, UAP question in this FAQ. Um, says NASA does not actively search for UAPs. However, through our Earth observing observing satellites, NASA collects extensive data about Earth's atmosphere, often in collaboration with other space agencies of the world. While this data is not specifically collected to identify UAPs or alien technosignatures, they are publicly available and anyone may use them to search for the atmosphere. Um, I don't know if anybody knew that, that a lot of what NASA has is public and you can access it. But, you know, it's just an example of I think other agencies are getting on board with that exact thing that you specify. So that is a good thing. You know, that's awesome. And I hope that NASA stops like randomly turning off the uh, ISS cameras on their like YouTube channel and shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. Like always. (laughs) And and so there are tons of conspiracy theories about – about like um that they're shutting it off because they're starting to see weird shit because it usually will be like there are certain feeds that are open to the public that you can access and if they start tracking something that's moving kind of weird they'll turn Mm -hmm. off Mm -hmm. 
And so everyone's like, oh, see, they, they're tracking a UFO. Dun, they're dun, not going to fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, They're yeah. turning it off. But, like, it'd be cool if they yeah. just were like, well, if we're going to do this, might as well just leave that stuff up and well, let people either see that there's nothing or see that there's something. Maybe right? now. Maybe now that, you know, the door's kicked open a bit. I wouldn't say kicked open. I say somebody nudged it a little. It's not latched anymore. Let's say that. You know, we got a long way to go. Let's all admit that. But this is a really good starting point. A lot of good stuff in the report. Josh, you hit it on the head, I think. You know, people were all bitching about, oh, it's not really saying anything. No, I th- I think we dis- agree. It says a lot. And there's a lot of things in here that they kind of lay out of what they're going to do. Now, here's part two of this is holding them accountable and following this and making sure that the task force and everything else that they say they're going to have in line and in place actually happens. And I didn't catch any timeline for that. And I don't really don't think they probably have one. They were just trying to abide by the timeline they had to release this thing. But it'd be curious. It'd be curious to see what, um, you know, where this goes down. So for sure. Um, you guys yeah. got anything else? Any last thoughts, wrap ups on this whole report? Oh, I'm just happy to be able to talk about it with people that aren't rolling their eyes at me for <laughs> wanting to talk about it. It's fucking insane. And um, you know, we're always there is people. Uh, so, uh, the mad scientist, uh, podcast, I forget what that dude's name is. Um, but he is working on a project right now where, um, they set up these cameras and they monitor all this stuff. I mean, I, I don't know the technical stuff about it, but he's mm. starting this group where everybody like monitors these cameras and you can set them up and it's like a, uh, like everybody shares their data and it's open source and everything. Um, we need more of that. So yeah, if, 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 uh, if you guys want to check that out, um, it's the mad scientist podcast. Um, his name is what the hell is his yeah, name? Yeah. While you look him up real quick, we're <laughs> I knew his name until to, you, I know until I said something. Excited. We're hoping something. to actually land somebody um, that is kind of a – he. this is in his wheelhouse for sure. Um, reached out to him. He agreed to come on the podcast. We just haven't lined up a date. So hopefully that works and that happens, and then this is right up his alley. Like to get his observations with it and everything that happened, but we're not going to jinx ourselves yet, so I'm not going <laughs> to mention it. But um, we'll keep on this. I mean, this is something that, you know, that obviously this is a love for us, and we'll see where this goes and where this leads to. Um, hoping for the best, you know. Yeah, Chris Cogswell is the yeah, mad scientist. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Chris Cogswell. There you go. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. He's got some uh, – I wish I could fucking remember what it's called, but – I shouldn't have even brought it up. He's cool though. <laughs> he actually, uh, he's always into. He's always kind of expanding this kind of thing in the platform. I don't know. Really, really cool dude. Actually, he's part of the Fortean Network, which we're part of. So you know, yeah. Nice oh, uh, Skyhub Science Advisory Board. So if anybody mm. wants to look uh, up Skyhub, it's 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 a thing they're doing. So perfect. Okay. Yeah. Make so sure maybe we those. can get some some answers from that one of these days or something. Yeah, we got it. We need answers somewhere for sure. So anyway, hope you guys enjoyed that. Again, this is a little unique episode uh, for sure, but uh, just couldn't wait to cover it. It was funny because I was traveling back to the Washington coast uh, from like Eastern Washington all the way over and all of a sudden my phone's fucking blowing up and you fucking guys are like, oh my God. (laughs) And I couldn't (laughs) wait. I get to the family, the graduation and everybody's there and they're like, oh, how's the trip? Oh, it was great. I'll be right back. I gotta go. I gotta go catch up with my weird shit. I'll um, I'll be over here. So anyway, all too cool. 
Um, for what it's worth, we'll cover that again. Uh, we actually have some pretty cool guests lined up. I will be seeing you two uh, live, actually, next week. So I'll be in Salt Lake. Looking forward to that for oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going nice to be awesome. To see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it will be a lot cooler, too, than it is here because it is fucking miserable uh, here. It, next uh, week probably won't be a lot cooler. Probably be about the same. Well, yeah, <laughs> less yeah. humidity, though. If it hits 112 over there, then uh, you burn that place down to the ground like I'm about to here in Spokane because that. Uh, it's awful. So anyway, um, with all that being said, if you have any little tidbits, you have answer, you have something that you want us to talk about the UAP report, um, things maybe we missed, we skip by, questions, thoughts, observations, uh, you can actually email us at strangeuncles at gmail.com. You can call us if you have a UAP story or you have something with reports or anything weird. You the Whatever you have, the world's your oyster. Um, you can definitely call us too at 801-252-69. <laughs> 45 yeah we missed you last week josh was like oh i miss john that's all he said like in the middle <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like damn it i was sad <laughs> so um how are we looking on socials oh you know where to find us we're at uh strange uncles podcast on facebook and instagram we're at strange uncles on twitter we have a youtube channel uh maybe i'll like i'm not going to but maybe i'll make a video <laughs> about this to put up there i won't we got a couple new subscribers i don't know if that's you know good for anybody to the youtube channel yeah yeah why i don't don't know (laughs) damn i guess maybe i will put something together and put that up there i don't know i got nothing to fucking do Uh, so maybe i should do that too funny anyway subscribe maybe there will be something new yeah Outstanding. Meanwhile, standby from school interviews. Uh, we'll continue to cover this stuff as it comes out, and uh, we're working on a research for something that's really kind of cool. I don't know. I, it's kind of out there, but I think uh, John, Josh, and I all agree. I just haven't finished a book yet, so we'll uh, we'll have a kind of we'll pigeon it in there somewhere in between the interviews for sure. But you guys got anything else? Any wrap ups? Any promotions? Anything? Nope. Nope. All I think right. I'm good. Well, that being said, miss you guys. Can't wait to see you next week. Love talking UAP with you and uh, close the gates.